morning, everyone. I think I said good morning to about half a dozen people when I got in tonight. So it is evening. Good evening. If you have your Bibles, we are completing our study through the book of Daniel. We are in Daniel chapter 12 this evening. And uh, I'm praying about where to go next. We have one more Wednesday before Christmas and our Christmas Eve you know, celebration, all of that, and, and then we'll have a New Year's thing, and so I'm not sure if we want to start another book next Wednesday, or do something special next Wednesday, start a book in the New Year, so I'll let you know on Sunday, <laughs> figure it out, uh, but Daniel chapter 12, if you need a Bible, Richard's up, he's got some Bibles in his hand, so bring one to your seat so you can follow along with us, if you forgot yours or don't have one, there it is, turn off my phone. And let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time tonight. Thank you for the privilege that you've given to us to be able to gather in this place freely, Lord, without fear, and to be able to study your word. So many believers in this world don't have what we have, and we are so blessed by it, Lord, and we don't want to take it for granted. We want to thank you for this freedom that we have and and this uh a gift to worship you, Lord, just with songs and our voices, and it's just a blessing as well. And now, Lord, as we study your word and we look at things happening in the last days, Lord, give us a understanding and application, Lord, that we might uh, live in these days more pleasing to you, honoring you with every aspect of our lives. Bless our time together, Lord. Bless our children downstairs as they're being ministered to. We give it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Daniel chapter 12 is really all about Israel. It's about God's people, the Jews, first and foremost. I don't see any mention of the church in chapter 12 at all. It's God once again dealing with the nation of Israel. And we're told in Romans chapter 11 verse 25, Paul says, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. But blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. If you remember in our study in chapter 9 of the 70 weeks of Daniel, there's 70 weeks of years for the nation of Israel, 69 of those weeks of years have already been fulfilled. And what's left is that one seven-year Period. At that time, Messiah, if you remember, was cut off, not for himself, obviously. He was crucified. There was a break in the action with the Jewish people. That ushered in the church age, what we know as the times of the Gentiles. Let me read Romans 11.25 in the New Living Translation. I like the way it sounds. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud and start bragging. Some of the Jews have hard hearts. But this will last only until the complete number of Gentiles comes to Christ. I like that. You know, I've shared on Sunday morning, you know, when I've shared this verse, I say, if you are not saved, you can be that last person. So get saved so we can get out of here. But see, once that last person comes to faith in Christ, that last Gentile, we will be raptured out of here. We'll be taken out of here and the final seven year period will begin. What is described in the last verses of chapter 11, verses 36 through 45 and on into chapter 12. If you recall from last time together, in that chapter we left the wicked Antichrist Epiphanes, a type of Antichrist of the Old Testament, and we were rocketed forward to the actual Antichrist and then into the Great Tribulation period. 
Now that's the only way we as believers are going to enter into the great tribulation period, by reading about it. We also looked at that final battle briefly, the, the, the battle of Armageddon, with this 200 million man army that only a nation like China could actually uh, muster up, along with a regrouped Russian army, are going to come against the Antichrist and his armies. And that battle is going to happen there in the valley of Megiddo in Israel. Right when Armageddon is about to, to climax, Looks like the whole world, and particularly Israel, is going to be devastated. There during that battle of Megiddo, Jesus will come back. And we know from the, the prophets that one of the craziest things in history is going to happen at that point. Suddenly, as all these armies are battling against each other and fighting against each other, as the Lord comes back, all these armies quit fighting each other and look, and they start attacking the Lord. Now, you know, that's not going to last long. In fact, listen to what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2.8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. They may fire their missiles all they want at the Lord, but as soon as he shows up, that Antichrist is going to be destroyed. I picture like Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, Indiana Jones, when that ark opens up and all the bad guys, their eye sockets melt in and it's just, they all start melting down and doesn't say that there, but I just, in my mind, I, I speculate. Well, we now come to chapter 12, and we have additional details that are added in. Chapter 12 is really kind of like the appendix to the appendix, appendix to the book of Daniel, not the appendix in your side, the appendix. And it backs up a little bit before Armageddon, and it talks about the Great Tribulation. Now let's look at verses, uh, look at verse 1. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even at that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered, every one who is found written in the book. Think about what we've seen so far. Daniel has received these overwhelming visions, prophecies, wars, rumors, treacheries, intrigues, with much of the Gentile kingdom's history being used to persecute Israel. So at this point, Daniel's got to be going, is there any hope for Israel? I mean, there's so much hatred for them. You know, the Lord tells us in Zechariah 2, verse 8, that there'll be a price to pay for the hatred against Israel. It says there, for thus is the Lord of hosts, he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. But here we read, we come to the point in verse 1 where it says, At that time, Michael shall stand up. What time is that? Well, it's a great tribulation period. The last seven years, God dealing with the nation of Israel. We read that Michael, the archangel, will stand up. Now, Michael is the only Bible, is the only Bible, is the only one in the Bible called an archangel. Jude 9 is the one that gives us that title. The Greek word for archangel means chief angel or chief messenger. If there are other uh, archangels. The Bible doesn't tell us who they are. Possibly Gabriel is an archangel, but we're not told that for sure. But the Michael, the archangel, he has a special relationship with the nation of Israel. He's their, if you would, national guardian angel of Israel. See, Satan has a certain control in this world. He's the prince of the power of the air, we know, and the god of this world, or the prince of this world, according to John twelve thirty one. Michael, on the other hand, has the responsibility to watch out for Israel. 
And it wouldn't surprise me if he's the guy that, you know, they say they have the Iron Dome, you know, blocking those missiles, but it's probably Michael going back and forth and blocking them at the same time. Oh, that one missed it. Oh, my God, it just covered. It wouldn't surprise me. Michael is the, is the field marshal, if we will, of the armies of heaven. He's awesome and in power, but he's only an instrument of the Lord. And Satan hates the fact that Michael is Israel's champion in battle. Satan hates the nation and will do everything he can to persecute it, corrupt it, eradicate it. Now that may help us in understanding the anti-Semitism to a certain extent and why the hatred of the Jew is so prevalent in our society. From time to time, anti-Semitism becomes so vicious that we see such atrocities like the Holocaust. Or even, maybe you caught this afternoon, that happened uh, in the news. Two gunmen, uh, a man and a woman, drove into the small ultra-Orthodox Jewish community in New Jersey, opened fire at a kosher grocery store. The attack began earlier at a cemetery where 40-year-old Detective Joseph Seals was killed after approaching the suspects. Three others were killed by the suspects, and both suspects were killed by the police. But upon further investigation, they found that the suspect had published anti-Semitic content online, and investigators believe the attack was motivated motivated by those sentiments. Horrible. But we see this now even more so, and it's going to continue more so. We need to pray for those families affected by this. But we see these happening because Satan hates the nation of Israel. He hates the Jewish people. He's going to do anything he can to persecute them, corrupt them, uh, eradicate them. Now, again, we're told Michael is, is very active in the end times because the Antichrist is going to launch out this all-out war against the Jewish people. And that will be really the start of the worst time of persecution ever known in their history. Well documented it in uh, Matthew twenty four twenty one, Mark thirteen nineteen. Jeremiah put it this way in Jeremiah thirty verse seven Alas for that day is great, so that none is like it. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. The focus of the persecution is on Jacob's trouble, the Jewish people, hence the, the phrase the time of Jacob's trouble. Now Revelation chapter seven makes it clear that there will be many converts as a result of of uh, 144,000 Jewish witnesses that are going to come to faith in Christ and, and you know, basically be Jewish Billy Grahams, you know, Jewish Greg Lorries. They're going to go forth and they're going to, you know, just evangelize. And these converts, they, they uh, um, evangelize, but these converts will suffer martyrdom by the millions at, at the time. Also, this period, period coincides with the outpouring of God's wrath on the nation. So it's not just Israel, but on the nations. Listen to Zephaniah 3, verse 8. Be patient, the time is coming soon when I will stand up and accuse these evil nations, for it is my decision to gather together the kingdoms of the earth and pour out my fiercest anger and fury on them. All the earth will be devoured by the fire of my jealousy. You understand, we're talking about God's wrath upon this earth. But understand that, that the point of the tribulation is Jewish in focus and will be permitted by God in order to sift the Jewish people. John Phillips writes this, The Jewish rejection of the Christ must be broken so that the remnant of the nation will be ready to accept the returning Jesus as Messiah, Savior, and Lord. Now some scholars, biblical scholars, place the... Uh, uh, the, uh, really, the, the Antichrist coming against uh, you know the, the Jewish people at the same time, if you would, in Revelation chapter twelve, verse seven, where Satan is thrown out of heaven, thrown out of access to God in heaven, 
and he's come down to the earth and, and right now he's in heaven, he's accusing the brethren. Remember the story of Job, he goes back and forth and if you consider my servant Job and there's this interaction taking place, well many believe that there's going to come a point halfway through, Satan gets kicked out according to Revelation 12, now he's really going to go after the Jewish people. Uh, he's got these Antichrist and the false prophet in his hands and, and uh, it's going to be horrible. You know, in Jerusalem there's a Holocaust museum and those that have seen it said, how can the world ever sink to, to new lows of destruction or the persecution of God's people? But it's going to get worse. Again, John Phillips writes this, Think of the suffering of the Jewish people. Egyptian pharaohs have tried to exterminate them. Assyrian kings, Babylonian emperors, and Persian leaders have turned their hands against them. Xerxes ordered their total extinction from his realms. Greek tyrants and Roman seizures, neighboring princes and church officials, Spanish inquisitors and Roman popes, medieval kings and swashbuckling czars and commissars, one and all have persecuted this people. The dungeon and the sword, the thumbscrew and the rack, flames and fire, concentration camps and gas chambers, starvation and tortures, sadistic experiments in the name of science, all that fallen men and raging demons could devise, all have been used against his people. But the great tribulation will be worst of all. Horrible. Horrible. But, know this, the devil will fail. The Antichrist will fail. All attempts to exterminate the Jew will fail. And a remnant will survive. Michael will see to that. We can be sure the devil will be stomped, like, stomped when Michael throws him out of heaven. Again, it's most likely going into the millennial reign that, that it's Michael that's one that's going to throw him into the abyss. In any case, God will see to it that the tribulation serves its purpose. Apostate Jew and Gentile will perish, but enough of the Jewish people will be delivered. And again, verse 1, it's as far as we've gotten. <laughs> and at that time, your people shall be delivered, everyone who is found written in the book. So your people, the Jewish people, will be delivered. Now, the deliverance will come in a couple ways. As I mentioned already, the 144,000 of them who are sealed by God, protected from the plagues of the Great Tribulation. But secondly, there will be those that will, will take flight to the rock city of Petra, where God will preserve them there. And Jesus was warning his disciples of the Jews, actually, that when you see this abomination of desolation that was spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, when you see that happening... When he declares that he is God, the Antichrist, and you need to worship his image in the, in the temple, get out of town as fast as you can. Don't even go home. Don't get your stuff. Just run. In fact, in the book of Revelation, we're told that God gives them wings of an eagle, which you know, kind of sounds like helicopters, that will take them to this place in this wilderness where they'll be preserved for three and a half years. Listen to Revelation 12, verse 14. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she was nourished for a time and a times and a half a time from the presence of the serpent. Isaiah chapter 16, verses 1 through 5, you can look it up later. It speaks also of the Lord uh, saying to Jordan, Open up uh, and receive my people, bear them safely to Petra until the great tribulation period is over. Isaiah 16, 1 through 5. But the Antichrist is going to find out that the Jews are fleeing. They'll send out an army against them, but the earth is going to open up and swallow that army. And then again, as we looked at last week, the focus will turn to other issues, and that other issue is going to be the invasion of China and Russia. So he's not going to pursue those Jews any further, but they're going to be preserved for three and a half years. So Michael says, at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. Now those that do not flee... The Antichrist is going to make war with them and 
and the remnant of the people that stay in the land, and there's going to be a horrible devastation of those people, again, such as never existed before. Verse 2 says, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now that verse speaks of the resurrection of the dead. It's not going to take all take place all simultaneously. We know the righteous dead will rise a thousand years before the unrighteous dead. But it's all lumped together here. But in the book of Revelation, we see a, a time differential between the two. The resurrection of the righteous dead, they that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life. Of course, at, at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there began the great resurrection. We looked at the last Sunday, if you were here, that the bodies of many of those in the graves were raised according to Matthew 27, verse 52 and 53. Many of the saints are, are walking around in Jerusalem after Jesus rose from the dead. It was Uncle Charlie, didn't we bury you two days ago? And uh, I'm here, Jesus resurrected me. But the great resurrection of the unjust dead will take place at the end of the thousand year uh, uh, reign of Christ, the millennial period. And that's when they'll stand before God in the great white throne judgment. And it says they rise to shame and everlasting contempt. He goes on in verse 3. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament or the sky. You know, there are some people that, you know, they rise up and, and a lot of, like a skyrocket. They make a big flash, but they burn out really fast. You know, they, they come along the scene and, and, and you know, oh, and then they just kind of fade away. I hope that's not true of Kanye West. You know, here everybody's looking at this guy and, oh, look at him. He, he loves the Lord, you know. In my day, it was Bob Dylan. For those of you that are, are uh, a little bit older, you know, he said, you got to serve somebody. He put an album out and, and uh, you know, a Christian album out and, and uh Oh, wow, Bob Dylan's a Christian. And, and then about three years, I think it was from uh, 1979 to 82, but now he's gone back to Judaism. And, uh, you know, maybe his cells saying it had to do something else. You know, you can shine for a moment if you want album sales, but if you're wise, you're going to shine for a lifetime. Because the only place to really shine is for God's kingdom. And I love on, on the 4th of July and the fact that it's legal to light off fireworks yourself that were totally illegal in California. I mean, I first, it's 20 years, but, but I moved out here and, and uh, a friend of mine, we were down in Branson, he was, hey, Tom, light one of these. You know, it's one of those mortars. I think, oh, get in trouble for this? No, it's, it's Missouri. You know, I think, man, you pay big bucks to go to these shows to do this and I can do it in your backyard. It, it's crazy. We did a, a Nick the Parks used to do a fireworks show. If you've been here a while, you might have remember going out there, and and they would do it right by the community center. And uh, the, but they built some houses on one side, so they had to move it to the other side. And I remember one year, they just set up too close to the people, <laughs> and all of a sudden they're going up, and, and the shrapnel, the pieces of fireworks were coming down on us. I mean, it's like paper, and, and the smoke is everywhere, and you're going, oh man, crazy. Now the stars were still up there. You know, but, but you couldn't see the stars through all the smoke. Here uh, we read, They that be wise will shine as the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. That's the sky that I want to shine in. I want to be used by God to lead people into that relationship with Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4 now. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. When was the book to be sealed? Until the time of the end. 
In other words, Daniel, you're not going to understand much about this right now, but it will be understood towards the end of time. These things will start to make sense. Now, Michael goes on to describe some of those things that are going on at towards the end of time. Look at verse 4 again. He says, Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. First, he says, Many shall run to and fro. In other words, in the end times and end days, it's going to be possible to travel all over the world like never before. See, no one from Daniel to the middle of the 1800s ever traveled faster than horseback. But that began to change in the middle of the 19th century with the invention of the steam engine and electric power. Man was flying down the road at a blazing 12 miles per hour. Then Henry Ford, you know, he, he, the first internal combustion engine speed is incredible, 25 miles per hour. Now we have vehicles that can go 600 miles per hour. Planes that hurtle through space at, you know, 2,000 miles per hour. And rockets that travel 24,000 miles per hour. I read today that, that a year ago, Boeing unveiled a new hypersonic 4,000 mile per hour jet, which could fly from New York to London in two hours. Crazy. The new aircraft that says, which could be released in service in 2030, is almost three times faster than the Concorde. But that's not all. It goes on in verse 4. And knowledge shall increase. To build an aircraft like that, you'd have to have knowledge to increase. But but the knowledge increased in its immediate context here would be the knowledge of the book of Daniel, the knowledge of these prophecies taking place. And surely God has opened up to us an understanding of these things that that, that we see the advantage of hindsight. We can see how actually He wrote the things in the past, the history in the past, up to Alexander the Great. We've seen that had taken place. Now we can understand what's going to happen in the present and in the future. So the book of Daniel really is no longer a sealed book, but an open book and easily understood by the diligent, a diligent student of God's Word. But this knowledge that increases has also been interpreted to be just the general amassed knowledge of man, and surely this has happened in our generation as well. I mean, compare Solomon and George Washington, both traveled by horse. Both had couriers by foot or horse. Again, we now travel at the speed of sound and can communicate at the speed of light. We, we have had knowledge and transportation explosion. The things that we can do now with computers is amazing. That only only happened, I mean, in the last 50 years, really. It's been said that man's knowledge has, has uh, doubled from the year 1950 to 1960. In other words, everything that we've learned from Adam all the way up to 1950, all of that doubled from 1950 to 1960. And now according to, to, to IBM, they now estimate that by 2020, in a few weeks, human knowledge will be doubling every 12 hours. Crazy. Knowledge shall increase. Verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this riverbank and the other on that riverbank. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? So on either side uh, of this Tigris River, Daniel sees two more people whom we presume to be angels. Now what's interesting is the man in verse 6 is clothed in linen above the waters of the river. Many people believe this to be Jesus Christ. And one of these two angels asked him, how long will it be till the end, till, till these things we're talking about? I mean, that's a natural question that anyone hears when they start talking about end times. And well, how long? How much time do we have left? 
Even Jesus' disciples asked him that in Matthew 24. Tell us when will these things be and, and what will be the signs of your coming in the end of the age? Angels are no different. They, they, they want to know. They're interested. They want to know, know the details and the end time scenarios and how it's all going to work out. Peter tells us that angels long to look into the things that have been announced to us. 1 Peter 1.12 Just as curious as we are. Well, the answer comes in verse 7. Then I heard the man clothed in linen who is above the waters of the river when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, a time, and a half a time. And when the power of the holy people have been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Now, if you've been with us through the study of Daniel, if you've been with us on Sunday morning through the study of Matthew chapter 24, the meaning of this is really quite obvious. These times represent years, and the times, times, and a half a times equals three and a half years. A three and a half year period has been mentioned many times in our studies. It's the second half of the Great Tribulation period. We've already seen the Tribulation seven years. Again, the Antichrist makes his pact with Israel. That begins the seven year uh, period. Uh, halfway through, you know, the whole thing with the temple and, and all of that and, and uh, the abomination of desolation. Some of the Jewish people will be protected, but in the end, the Great Tribulation will break the power of the Jews in this world. That's what he means in verse 7 when it says, the power of the holy people has been completely shattered. Because the, their protector, they thought, the Antichrist will turn against them and they'll realize too late that Satan has been playing them like pawns and fools and, and they'll find themselves just in this hostile world. And, and, uh, and again, except for those that have accepted Jesus as Messiah, but the Antichrist is going to do everything to destroy them, the Jewish people, and, and uh, that again, the final Holocaust will break forth. Um, there'll be a, a few brave souls that will risk the wrath of the beast, but the majority of the people will find it easier just to cooperate with the Antichrist and, and uh, uh, you know, turn in the Jewish people where they're at and, and uh, really make what Hitler did seem like, like nothing. And and uh, in the end, uh, uh, I mean, the nation will be, be left to poverty and weakness and fear, and, and that's why it's referred to in verse 7, when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. And God knows exactly how long that will take. A time and a time and a half a time. Three and a half years. And they will come to a point of humility. And the Jewish people will understand that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus the Messiah. But Daniel, he doesn't know this yet. He, has, he, he hasn't figured this out. He only knows, he only hears that their, their power will be shattered. And if the power of the Jews was shattered, is this the end of the Jews? Is, is this what's going to happen? I mean, he's, he's been given all these details, uh, uh, all these details, only to climax his story with, with his people's obliteration. So he doesn't really know what we know. So he says in verse 8, Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? He says, I don't get it. Verse 9 we read, And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed the, till the time of the end. In other words, don't, don't worry your little head. I got things under control. Until when? Uh, until, until the time of the end. Well, that is until now, until the Lord now is open to us, understanding. Now, even as Daniel predicted the very day that the Messiah would come, 
Daniel chapter 9, the 173,880 days, and that was predicted long before that Jesus would come riding in on the donkey. We know that, that, that the predictions of this very day that Jesus will come again will happen just as well. Now, it's, it's not the, the, the day that the Lord will take His church. No man knows that day or the hour. We don't know when the Lord is going to come for the church. But from the time that the daily sacrifices and prayers are caused to cease by the Antichrist, verse 11 tells us this, and from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there should be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. So in the middle of the last seven-year cycle, it will be 1,290 days according to the Lord. I mean, if you were here, which none of us will be as believers, you can count from that point the how many days and, and, and until Jesus returns. And you'll be wanting to, <laughs> because it's going to be so horrible. Uh, I mean, do, do you want to want to be here? Now, what about verse 12? It says, Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. Why the 45 more days? Well, when Jesus returns, Jesus is going to separate the sheep from the goats. We've studied this in Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. There will be those that live through the Great Tribulation period. They will be able to survive. Now, if they survive the Great Tribulation, provided they have not worshipped the beast, the Antichrist, they have not taken his mark upon him, they have not worshipped his image, they will have the opportunity to go into the millennial reign of Christ. But first you must pass the judgment that Jesus said would happen when he says, I was hungry and you fed me, thirsty you gave me drink, naked you clothed me, and as much as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. And they'll be allowed to enter into the millennial kingdom. But to those on his left, he said, depart from me, workers of iniquity, into everlasting darkness, which was prepared for Satan and his angels. So apparently, it's going to take about 45 days for all that to happen. But again, to Daniel, we read, Dan, don't worry about it, verse 13, but you go your way to the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of days. Listen to Revelation 22, verse 10. Another prophet, call him John the Revelator, he was told concerning his revelation, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly. Same sentiments are exactly in, in verse 10 in Daniel, uh, in Daniel 12. The unjust will be unjust. The righteousness will be more, under, more righteous. But he's told here uh, to John, don't seal the book. Daniel, seal the book. It's not your time. It's not your day. John comes on the scene years later. He's given a full understanding of what's being laid foundationally. He's told not to seal up the book. Spread the word. It's going to make sense. It's going to start unfolding. And I believe we are living in end times when the book of Daniel is no longer impossible to understand. It's coming to pass before our very eyes. No other time in history have I seen things falling into places we do right now. I want to close with this. Once a man bought an old-fashioned barometer and had it shipped to him, he took it out of the box and mounted, mounted it, but it indicated that a, a hurricane was coming. Well, he planned to send it back the next day. He said, the thing's got to be broken. And he, when he got home, his barometer was gone. So was his house. <laughs> I mean, it was, turns out the barometer had been right all along. He denied and questioned it, what it was telling him, but the end, the barometer was right. Daniel's like that barometer. 
People can deny it if they like. They can they refuse it. But everyone will see that, that it is right. Jesus is coming back and it's going to be very soon. Peter in Second Peter 3 verse 10 asks a very important question. In light of the fact that this material world is going to be all dissolved, uh, works are going to be all burned up, the elements will melt with a fervent heat, what manner of persons ought we to be? If you're a materialist, if you're a humanist, I mean, you're going to be really bummed out when all your stuff is gone. But here Peter says, what, what manner of persons ought we to be? Peter answers, in all holiness, godliness, godly manner of living. We need to be spiritual. We need to be holy. We need to live our lives pleasing to the Lord. Not focused on the things of this earth, but things in heaven. Have our hearts set on the eternal, not the temporal. May God help each one of us to evaluate ourselves, our, our priorities, our lives, to find out where we're at and what really matters in our lives. The Bible says where a man's treasure is, that's where his heart is. So God help us to, to treasure heavenly things. God help us to, to treasure spiritual things and mark them as true values of life as we anticipate the Lord's return. Let's pray.